on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. It, t- it was 2009 all over again, and you were up all night, and you're about to launch tomorrow. Where, where are you going to, to try to capture attention? You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I've got Scott Valdez here on the King stage. My brother, Scott, how we doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. I appreciate you being here. You're a traveled man, as they say. And so I appreciate you making the time for it. And uh, you got a great company. You got a big team. You like to travel. So I, I appreciate you being here and making it work for us. Tell us what kind of business that you have. So I've, I've started two service businesses, both in the matchmaking space. And so Vita Select is Kane One. It's an online matchmaking service that manages your dating profiles for you on apps like Hinge, Match, and Bumble. And so we basically just handle your online dating for you in a way that's true to who you are, making it possible for you to meet someone special without all of the, the time and frustration that's usually associated with online dating. And then sure. um, Enamor is a sister company to Vita Select. And it was created for clients seeking a more traditional kind of white gloves matchmaking experience with an invite-only database. And Amber blends recruiting technology, AI, data science, and old-fashioned matchmaking intuition to find highly compatible matches for our clients. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think that uh, it's it's an interesting conversation to to think about online dating. I've been married for 15 years, dated my wife for 18. So I'll have a a totally different perspective. (laughs) But I think that I think that the reality of it is, is that if I was dating today, I'd be probably using one of your services. So I think that it, it leads to a lot of, like you said, maybe need for today, regardless of all that you've built some incredible business behind these ideas. So I want to talk about that here as well. Before we do that, though, what's the burning desire inside of Scott? Like, really, what are you after, buddy? I think the, the, the biggest thing for me is with, within the kind of the, the business that I have right now is just helping people to find love. Like we're our clients, a lot of them come to us from a point of frustration with the dating apps. They are spending an enormous amount of time on them. So the average user today is spending like two hours a day on this thing. So to just, and spending that amount of time without getting the results that you want is, is the very definition of frustration. There's nothing more frustrating than investing a lot of time into something and not seeing a return on that investment. And so being a part of real life love stories and just witnessing our clients undergoing, uh, this transformative experience is incredibly motivating. And we go beyond just like the, what you think of as, as matchmaking and we're really aimed to help our clients build their confidence and just empower them in their, in their dating lives. And so when our clients, they achieve milestones, um, such as new relationships, weddings, even Vita babies, 
we, wow. it really brings us in our sense of fulfillment and yeah. satisfaction. And it's just a reminder of kind of the bigger purpose. And, and that's really what drives us to continually deliver this, the best experience possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see, I see that. And obviously having a, not only a relationship start, but a relationship connect in a, in a solid way around marriage and even have children like that. That's your definition of success for sure. In that area. Sure. Yeah. How more important. Yeah. How, how, how did, how did I'm, so I'm going to, I'm going to segue, but I'm going to keep it here. Cause I, I, I'm not letting you off the hook yet because you gave me the nice purpose for your, for, for the business, which is great, but sure. I want to know yours individually. Plus yeah. maybe that, maybe that tells us how you got into this business. Like feel sure. free to maybe give us the backdrop if that sure. helps tell the story a little bit, but whoa, why, why is Scott after this specifically? Yeah. Yeah. For like where I am now, for me, this is kind of the game, right? So I've got Every single time I reach a new kind of a new level, I'm always pushing for right. the next. And yep. so I think for me as a business owner, growth and innovation just seem completely mission critical. It's like at the very core of, of, of my own existence is I feel like if you're not growing, you're, you're dying you know? right. and that's yep. whether it's on your personal life or in your business. And so that's like just getting to the next milestone in terms of a lot of times that comes down to revenue, which is maybe not the most elegant answer, but the truth, you've got it. You have certain measuring sticks that you place kind of as you, as you reach each, each new landmark and we're as a company, just that, that growth for me is really, really exciting. And I think that's like a big part of beyond creating all these amazing success stories. It's, it really is kind of what, what drives me and how I came into this, this journey to begin with back in 2006, when I graduated from the university of Georgia, I joined a translation services startup. And so when I started there, there were about 20 people, I'd say, working there. And by the time I left about two and a half years later, there were over 50. And so it was just really cool how we evolved from using really basic tools to more sophisticated systems, just witnessing the company's growth and the leadership just truly inspired me. And I just wanted basically, you know, how you have that, that friend that you just want to be like him. That was how I felt about the owners, I, I was, I became close to them and I just, I wanted to do what they had done. It seemed like the most amazing thing, how they had this idea and they took it from just a, a concept into a multi-million dollar business in a, in a relatively short time. And that just really, for me, was everything that I needed to, to get excited and, and start yeah. my own venture. That's awesome, man. I, I totally relate. <clears throat> I think that a lot of entrepreneurs do, especially for the ones that want to play the game, right? Like you mentioned it, business is a game. It doesn't mean yeah. that it it means anything less. It's just the widget for us, guys like us, the widget is the game, the business. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily the actual service. Yes, the actual service leads to an experience and those things matter. Like you started there, I loved it. But when you when you can when you understand that it's just a big game of levers and it's just like a matter of yeah. what 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 can That's I do to cool. if I do this, then what does it do? And then <laughs> if I do this, what does it do? And if I do these yeah. together, what does it do? And, and growth to your point, whether that be growth in the team, growth in the actual size of the team, growth in their families, growth in the revenue number. It's just at some point, or maybe it's a certain breed of us. I don't know that just are obsessed with growth really in all areas is what I'm picking up from you, which is exactly how I feel about it as well. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. What about in the business we'll transition here to a little bit more pra- practical. You gave us an idea of how you got started. It turned mm-hmm. from an idea into a business, like pretty quickly, it sounds like. Yeah. But inside of that, you made some key decisions, good and bad, I'm sure. 
I want to know of a good mm-hmm. decision that you made that helps you launch it. Like you said, from idea to successful business pretty quickly. What was it? I would say it really goes back to the very beginning. I'd say kind of embracing a ready, fire, aim approach and just quickly launching Vita Select with a modest yeah. website and a press release. I went from idea to launch in about two or three weeks, right? Wow. So I think I spent $300 on the website and just before the official launch, I stayed up all night setting out press releases. I found a bunch of the like tips at venturebeat.com. Just, I found all these email addresses. It was not really that sophisticated. And we're talking back in 2000 and back in 2009. And so that's how I landed TechCrunch, just staying up all night. I was able to get a an article on TechCrunch and that, as you can imagine, just led to a bunch of additional media coverage. And so it was the kind of this momentum that really helped me to grow the business to a point where I could start to make key hires, which is super important at the beginning. So back then I about within about a year, I was able to hire my now COO. She was had a, a background in PR and was just instrumental in securing a lot more media coverage and that early media coverage is really what funded the entire business. It's right. like a bootstrapped it. And I didn't have a ton of potential runway to just be figuring it out and losing money. Right. And so instead of just spending months creating the perfect business plan and, and, and trying to make sure that I had everything in just the right place for the most successful possible launch, I just threw on the, I drew on my, 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 my kid and like my, whatever, like red straight back down to black diamonds. I didn't practice on the bunny slopes very long. So yeah, I went straight into it and that was fundamental in, in terms of just getting my hands dirty quickly. I think it was really, really important. And a lot of people stay way yeah. too long in kind of the ideation and just right. you know, landing phase. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that there's obviously a balance between action and planning and, and yeah, of course, of course, but I love your, your energy behind just launching and just going for it. What would you say now in today's world, and we're talking 14 years later, if someone's trying to get not launched per se, but maybe that PR, because it sounds like that was like the key thing, not only the PR that you did that night, but then hiring the CEO, COO that had a PR background, if PR was like your secret sauce. How would you go about getting PR today if you were relaunching? PR is tricky because you really have to have something that's unique, right? Or a set of data points based on some kind of study. The the, the, the issue with PR, I think a lot of people, they have a, a business that's not that different from others and they try to get PR. And I, and I think a lot of people waste a lot of time and energy on PR. The reason that PR worked so well for me is because what I was doing is, was new um, and slightly yeah. controversial. Yeah, well, also because we're, logging into people's dating accounts, right? And doing it for them, there's a, a certain level of controversy in that as well, which is a key element to not only getting the media coverage, but also that that media coverage kind of going viral in some cases. There's just lots and lots of shares. And so for us, it worked really well. And it, yeah, PR is just, again, like, like I said, whether, they, you know, anyone, if regardless of the business that they're in, they can probably find an interesting or unique angle. But until you find that angle, creating kind of me, trying to get media coverage out of your, just launching your business or doing some kind of a event or something is, it's really difficult unless it's truly something that people are going to enjoy reading about. It's unlikely to, to result in any real, real coverage. Love it. Yeah. Okay. And so, <clears throat> um, 
So for the person that's listening that checks that box, I got something unique. I got something that people want to hear about. What would be your first move? I'm curious on like, it, t- it was 2009 all over again and you were up all night and you're about to launch tomorrow. Where, where are you going to, to try to capture attention? Yeah, it's a difficult question to answer because PR has changed so much and it's been so long since I've really been in that. But today, if I had the funds, I would, I would hire a small boutique agency that knows, ideally knows my industry right. if I had the money. And, it, and some of these smaller firms, like they're not that expensive like you would think. A lot of the smaller kind of PR firms, you should be able to get a decent PR campaign together for 5,000 bucks or something like that. And so, but yeah, if I had to, to go at it today, just be very finding people who've written articles about very specific content and reaching out to them with highly customized outreach that doesn't sound like just the, the copy and paste mass blast that everyone else is doing. That's what I would do if I could find journalists have already written similar pieces and, and just reach out to them, hit them up on LinkedIn, hit them up on Twitter, like this multi-channel, mm-hmm. uh, highly customized approach is what I would, what I would do. I would love it, man. Love the, love the practicality. What's uh, what about the other side of the coin? What was a bad decision that you made in this uh, bootstrapped effort to help people date better? Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing, it's, it's hard for me to like pinpoint one single disastrous decision. I'm sure there were many, maybe not disastrous, but many bad little decisions sure. that I made along the way. I think one of, one of the things that I've done and repeatedly that was probably a bad, de- well, definitely a bad decision is just getting distracted with exciting business ideas unrelated to matchmaking. Sure. This has happened like at least five times over the 14 years that I've been doing this, but like right. just spending just way too much time and energy pursuing these, these ideas only to realize that I'm, I'm not one of those entrepreneurs who can juggle multiple large businesses at the same time. Right. I just, I think that's just something that I had to, had to learn for myself. Because you mm-hmm. see these guys who are doing, they have like two, three, six, ever, sorry, seven, eight figure businesses. And you're just like, but anyhow, I, I haven't figured out how to get there. Maybe eventually I will. Right. Yeah, but uh, I'm not there. And yeah. so this just made me realize the importance of being laser focused on one business. I think just yeah. going you know, deep rather than wide. And I've just learned to channel my energy and resources into making my core business thrive. Good, man. Yeah, there, I think that even for guys that have multiple things going on, they're, I like actually how Alex Hermosi says it, even though he was able to have nine, nine gyms and do gym launch and all the other things, it's like he was asked the question, if you spent all of your time on just gym launch, would it be bigger? And he, oh yeah. Or maybe he asked that question to one of his clients. I can't remember, but the question yeah. is like, oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. And it's like, but why, why don't you just go do that now? Coming from a guy like you, or maybe maybe like others that are listening, I like lots of things. I like lots of projects. And so I have lots yeah. of businesses. But there's this, there's this, I guess, same perspective on what brings me fulfillment. Does it does a does building a hundred million dollar business bring me fulfillment? Or does having four, five, six, eight, ten, twelve, twenty portfolio companies all doing maybe a million to fifteen million or fifty million, does that really get my juices flowing? I don't know. Like I think that I think that as an entrepreneur, we all have to ask ourselves, either way, there's systems. You're if you're gonna go singular and build a, a nine figure business, or if you're gonna have multiple seven and eight figure businesses, like they're just different. 
Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's a personal thing. For me, I realized that was not ever going to hope. Well, maybe I don't want to say never, but it's for me, yeah. it wasn't the right path. But, sure. yeah. but yeah, I think everybody just depending on where they want to be spending their time and how, how right. can they assess their own abilities to be focused on multiple things at once. I just, I tend to get easily distracted. Right. And yeah. so for, for yep. me, just like having these different distractions stuff makes it harder for me to, to really do any of them well. Yeah. Tell me what you think about this, because this was a realization that I had in the last probably five or six years is that I'm extremely disciplined as an entrepreneur. Different businesses, I even had multiple locations of a certain franchise, different types of real estate. I've got different types of consulting companies. I have a, I have podcast, like you want to talk about all over the place. And yeah. so the reality of it is, is that I can, I can get distracted and that's different than being disciplined. And so I, this understanding of I could be extremely disciplined and it's actually why I have been successful in a couple of different industries. But if I were focused and not distracted, how much more successful would I be with the level of discipline that I have? So I think, and maybe an entrepreneur that's listening today is thinking the same thing, which is like, oh, no, 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 I'm super disciplined. I can handle multiple things. And I don't think either one of us are questioning. I think Alex Hermosi says the same thing. It's not like he's not capable of having multiple businesses. It's just sure. at the end of the day, if he dials into one, then there's the huge force of effort and discipline and focus yeah. comes into one lane and then there it goes. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. It's all about just, I think it, the same thing happens with the people with, within our companies. One of the things that we've realized is that we have grown a pretty large part of our team does this with along with another job or whatever, right? So they, they're doing a part-time this and maybe full-time another company or part-time right. another company. So there's something there, like when people are really, really immersed in the business all the time, they're thinking about it in the shower, right? They're thinking about it when they wake up, when they go to bed, it's like, it's their one thing. The impact that they're able to make in the organization is so much greater, right? It's not just the difference between 20 and 40 hours. It's not a two X, it's like a four X, right? And so that's. I feel like the same thing for us as entrepreneurs could be true. Different people are different, like we said, but, but I do feel like sometimes it's just like the increase in focus is not really even proportional to the increase of time that you're spending on it. It's really just about it being your one thing that you obsess over. Exactly. I love that. I love that word too. We'll get to that here in a little bit. I want to, it's funny, before we hit the recording button, you'd mentioned this, this question. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring it right to you at full force here. In the speed <laughs> round, my first question is yeah. around KPIs and the, the way I like to say it, Scott, is if you could only pick one thing to track forever and ever, what would that thing be? I told you this is, a, this is an incredibly difficult question because I, it's so hard for me to even fathom how my business would survive if I'm only tracking one single metric. Yeah. Uh, like Obviously, revenue and, and, and profit are incredibly important, but you've got others like website traffic, conversion rates, customer satisfaction. If I had to choose one, it would probably be around customer satisfaction to lifetime value. Like if my customers aren't happy, they're leaving and they're just there. The, the customer, the value of each customer and the, the value of the customers that they bring when they're happy is really the lifeblood of the business. And so if I had to choose one that was like highly correlated to our long-term success, it would be along those lines. But it's just, yeah, I mean, without... Even with that, it's like hard to just even think about how I would be able to monitor that 
the health of the company based on one, one single metric. So it's a, you know, I know it's a tough question by design. It's almost impossible. Yeah, I'm with you. I appreciate you wrestling through it for us. I think that you're right. All the things that you mentioned, front end and back end matter for sure. I think that what you were able to delineate there is for you specifically, if you've yeah. got a an experience that is bringing not only high level satisfaction, but then referrals and a repeat business funnel, then yeah. then everything else probably is working out pretty good, whether you know it or not. Obviously, you want to know all those yeah. other KPIs, sure. but it is it is interesting to be able to simplify since we're on this topic of focus and dialing in being a, an essentialist of sorts. It's like, okay, well, how do I how do I dial back even in my numbers? Keep this thing simple. Next question is around like resources. And so I'm curious in your experience, what's a book that you'd recommend or maybe a podcast or another resource for a business owner trying to grow? So there's one that's been that I that I highly recommend. It's a new thing for us. It's called the four disciplines of execution. I imagine okay. you've heard of it, but it's a it's one that we've recently begun implementing. Like okay. they, it's just a framework, right? And sure, so yeah. we haven't seen like the full impact of it yet, but it's clear that this system is going to be really transformative for us. Like we, so 40X revolves around, so four key disciplines, right, as the title would imply. And so you've got like the setting of, of the wildly important goals, you know, we call them WIGs, or you've got the acting on lead measures and maintaining a, a compelling scoreboard and then just a cadence of accountability, right? Sure. All of these are incredibly important. And so what we're seeing that it's doing is just really unifying our team's efforts and fostering departmental collaboration under one wildly important goal. So yeah. to put things into perspective in the past, like what we would do is we would annually, we would have all of our department leaders sit down and determine like what their main KPIs and goals were going to be for that year. And it was a good exercise. It's not to say that it wasn't effective. It was effective, but you have all these people coming back with probably in many cases, more KPIs than they should really have. Right. And then they are not really correlated with that of another department in many cases. And sometimes it's going to be overlap naturally, but so you've got all these people and like, is it kind of a, a leader? You're it, under you, you've got like 50, 40 KPIs, right? So it's like, there's just all of these things that you're trying to push at once. And it's just, a, I think you, you lack focus to a certain degree. And so, and also, I don't think we've done a very good job with accountability. So with the 40X framework doing, you've got the, the scoreboard that basically shows the, the, the key metrics, the, the wig and the, the lead measures, and it just. The way that everybody's organizing around one of the concepts in the books that I, that, that I really, really like is it's, it talks about how you should plan the, the fewest number of battles needed to win the war, right? Good. And yeah. that concept is it's so simple, but it's like, you know, this is our wildly important goal. And like, what are the, what are the fewest, fewest things? Like you said earlier, like the levels, the levers that we can pull, like what are the fewest yeah levers that we can pull that would potentially make us or allow us to achieve this. And so yeah. there's the concept of lead measures, which is also kind of interesting because a lot of times, and especially in the past, we've done KPIs, a lot of them are tied into the end goal, but we didn't really set like, what are the things that we can push and we can actually measure that we believe will make this happen. So they're more predictive and kind of, you know, influenceable indicators that are really going to drive that wildly important goal. And so it just allows us to focus activities that really directly contribute to our 
primary objective and just the framework of having like this scoreboard and then coming to the table each week, talking about what it is that we've committed to and having that accountability around that, even from a leadership level, because the leaders, everyone should be, should be contributing. Right. And so it's just, it's really, really different from what we've done in the past. And I'm just very confident with the way that it's moving all of the the team and everyone's getting really excited about it. It's going to just really align our teams, get us super focused and have that the level of accountability that we need to really drive growth and then help us to scale further. Yeah. I think that the, I'm excited for you guys to be able to put that, that level of implementation as well as obviously accountability. I think that those things really move the needle. I think it's super encouraging to know that the listener paying attention right now, who has maybe a small business or a big business looking at another big business owner across the screen here who's saying, I've, I've been wildly successful and I'm still working on these things. So I think it's, it's actually pretty vulnerable to be able to say like, we're going to another level in these areas, even if you were already great at them to still try to go to another level. It goes back to, I think your personal why, what you were saying earlier is uh, always trying to grow. I'm always trying to go to the next level of revenue or team growth or understanding or implementation, whatever. Um, I just think it's super encouraging. So I hope the listener yeah. is, is taking some notes because for, for a guy that has a, the team size that you do, the style of company or the revenue, whatever whatever metric that they're grading on, if that guy is going to another level, then surely I've got to go to another level. So I just appreciate the, the, the inspiration there. What do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? You know, I, I really try to surround myself with people who are ideally smarter than I am. I think Tim Ferriss once said, you're the average of, I think he said the five people that you associate most with. Yeah. And so when you intentionally connect with like-minded folks who have already done the things that you're trying to do in many cases, or have really valuable insights based on their experiences of what the path may make the most sense, because a lot of times there are five different directions that you could take your company that are really, right. these aren't like small decisions. These are incredibly important strategic decision that you need to make and being able really have the experience, the expertise, the perspectives of people who have already made similar decisions in the past is incredibly valuable. So uh, I think a lot of times you just having the right people in your community can help you to just identify blind spots, areas where you can improve your business. And yeah, I'm just the, can even sometimes like resources, you need someone to do a really specific integration of like three different data sources and it's like they're this isn't as easy as setting up some 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 your apps or whatever like you've right. got to build this thing and it's just like you reach out to a few of your friends that you have these types of resources and they've got just the guy for you just the the networking and connections just really can help to to grow your business more quickly i think it's super super important. yeah the uh, one clarification point i think both of what you said is just really really important not only to be able to have relationships for the practical so that i can meet somebody that that can help me set up the zaps or, or whatever the situation is or, or what maybe more of what you were alluding to just getting into a room that whether it's practical information or not i walked away with a different perspective i walked away with a yeah. different level of think and um I had, a, I had a mastermind member of mine, maybe not, maybe not quite a year ago, but close last summer. He said that when he had joined at the top of last year, that he knew before he ever even stepped into a room, just based on his interactions with me and a few others, that he was going to have to come to the table with another level. And so even that in itself, him coming leveled up 
yeah. was him gaining growth or gaining a value in this case. But that's exactly what you're saying is that you put yourself into a room where you know there's high players. You, regardless of what you take from the room, how you show up to the room is probably going to be a differentiator in in your journey as an entrepreneur. So that's why it's important to do so, as you mentioned, whether it's specific industry, whether it's something you got to pay for or not, even listening to a podcast like this and listening to Scott, like Scott thinks about it, certain things a certain way. And you getting done with this podcast going, man, I think differently because I listened to Scott. Like there's there's immense mental and creative value in that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. I think for as, as entrepreneurs, just having people that can really inspire us to be better, bigger, and badder is like super, super important. And then on, yeah. on top of that, just being able to just poke around and, 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 and really look into their brains and take out as much as you can from them, I think is that's right. obviously while also being, but we, but yeah, I mean, I just, some of the people that I've really surrounded myself with have been huge motivators and just created a lot of attraction that I've been able to, to find in, in my own motivation and desire to be as, as and big and awesome as they are. Good. I've got a unique question here for you since you're, since you're the matchmaking guy. Yeah. My, my question is normally around obsession. I, I have this kind of phrase that I use this work-life obsession rather than balance. And, and I guess what I mean by that is that you and I both have been obsessed. You already mentioned it earlier. I told you I was going to bring yeah. it back up again. We go like all in on the business to be successful. And then, then there's other areas of our life that maybe aren't directly inside of the business. So for you, who literally helps people do some of those other areas in life, what would you say to the guy listening right now who's married or not, or the lady who's married or not, it doesn't really matter, they're dating or maybe they're already married, how do they obsess like they do in the business, in their dating, in their marriage, with their kids, like all the other things alongside of the business? What would you say? So how do they obsess in their personal lives when it comes to their relationships? Family? At the same time. Yeah, like how do they do it all at the same time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think really the, the most important thing when it comes to having that same level of obsession in, in these personal areas of your life is being very intentional about how you set aside time for them. Because if you don't, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they become so overtaken by the whirlwind of their daily kind of responsibilities in their business. And That's so cool. I think a lot of, a lot of cases, I, the amount of people who I talk to, entrepreneurs or not, who are really, really serious about finding the partner that they want, but then question whether they actually have time for it. When something is really, really important to you, you make time, right? That's it's true. not like, do I have time or don't? I have, everybody has time. How many hours is that in a week? Like, like 168 hours The same week. for you and me is what I know. They, we all have the same amount of time, right? All the... the and so it's, it's, it's really just about defining what our priorities are. Right. And, and of course, like having like passion and, and really it being important to you for like the way that you, that your partner feels and making, if you're a guy, making her feel amazing and just having this really, really awesome, healthy relationship. A lot of times it's just, is really going to come down to, to caring and setting aside the time and then putting in the kind of level of effort and drive and maybe even having a sense of a way measure how your relationship is going. And that's a strange concept, but I think in, in cases like for me and my, my partner, it's just like setting aside blocks of time. It's like, this is the us time and it like goes in the calendar and we respect that time. 
because this is just as important to me as any business meeting or anything else is having really quality time with my partner. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know if that was like as direct as answer your question as you wanted, but I think something that's important to you find time for it and just really caring about your relationship, knowing that like, what's more important than the person that we spend the rest of our lives with, you know, that our children, like. This is like your family and the ones that you love the most should be just as high as your business is not higher. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you said it quite directly. People do what they want to do every yeah. time, no matter what. And I had to learn this myself because I said for many years that business or that family and my marriage was important to me, but it wasn't on my calendar. Like you said, it wasn't something that I set aside intentional time to do. I just was basically doing the minimums. I was providing, I was supporting, but like, I was just doing my own thing. And and I don't have it. I don't have the book written yet by any means at all. But I think that every entrepreneur has this level of obsession dialed into their business, especially if they're successful. And so they know what it feels like. And that's yeah. I guess that's the correlation that I'm trying to make yeah. with entrepreneurs is that when I realized that all it, all I had to do was apply the same level of focus, obsession, burning desire, whatever we want to call it from these all these business terms that we use to these other things that I said were important to me, that's when the needle started to get moved, just like it does in the business. Like I dial into these things in the business, things move. It's exactly the same for dating, marriage, kids, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Scott, I got one last question here for you, ready? I'm ready. If you could whisper in the younger Scott's ear, what would you say? Oh, that's a good question. I would, uh, this is actually kind of funny. If, if I went back, I would actually probably told myself to work for a really, really successful entrepreneur before I started my business. If I could have found the most successful guy in kind of a, in a competitive industry, ideally, someone who was crushing it in like fitness, like weight loss, like really like the nutrition or beauty, some of these, these really, really scalable yet highly competitive industries and basically come in and just been like, listen, like just pay me whatever you want to pay me. I'm here to learn. Yeah. That's probably what, what I would have done. And maybe out of college, even worked for like one of the big consulting firms and then done that. Like, but they, that's as an entrepreneur, I spent, and, and I had motive, I had learned quite a bit from seeing this company grow. Like I, I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, yeah. but that could have been a stepping stone into my next experience working more closely with an entrepreneur that was like just growing into a, an empire right and learned everything i could from that person before i started to create my own yeah yeah it's an interesting perspective but i think that uh, there's a lot of value in that it's it's uh, maybe maybe learning a little bit of the ropes it's uh, watching someone else catch a few bruises yeah for sure all those things sure. that, that it's in essence why maybe one of the smaller business owners today is listening to you, right? Like they're trying to get around you. Maybe they don't work for you, but I think that we can, we can use whatever resource that we can to try to eliminate some of those bad decisions or, or bruises. And so I think that that's a great, a great answer. How can, how can the listener find you? So number one, if they're dating and they're sick and tired of doing it all themselves, apparently that's the problem that you solve. So how can they find you number one and use your service or services? Give us plug for both. And then number, number two, how can they find you as an entrepreneur? They want to. Yeah. So in terms of the, the service, I mean, our, our main service where we do your online dating for you is called Vita Select. It's a VitaSelect.com. 
And if you want to email me directly, my email is scott at vitaselect.com. So you can feel free to reach out to me directly. The other service, if you want to do more of a traditional matchmaking, you don't want to be on the dating apps. You want us to do a, a personalized search for you. It's a, it's a much higher end service, but that's available at enamor.com. So it's E-N-A-M-O-U-R. It's the European or pretty much out anywhere outside the U.S. spelling of, of the word enamor, enamor.com. And so feel free to check those out. And if you want to find me also on LinkedIn, of course, you can, you can, you can look for me there. Scott Valdez, beat us select LinkedIn in, in a Google search should get you right to my profile. So feel free to look to me, to look me up there and connect as well. Yeah. Scott, I appreciate that. We'll put all that in the show notes as well, but you've been, you've been incredible in, in what you are willing to share, but also just uh, truthful. And so I just appreciate your genuineness and your approach and all the things that you've shared here today. Thank you for being here. Blessings on your family, your team, everything that you got your hand to, both companies. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. I enjoyed our, our conversation. Thanks, Jess. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one thousand kings specifically who are grateful but not done we're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business family and communities and here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy so if that relates and and resonates with you and you know that you need people around you sharp qualified other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.